for this? You ready? All right, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Envision Broadcasting, the station designed to encourage, equip, and empower you for growth and success. Presents Thrive Talk with TKT, a show that shares the stories and experiences of motherhood, entrepreneurship, leadership, and success. Thrive Talk with TKT begins now. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Thrive Talk with TKT. I am your host, uh, Coach K. I am the COO of Boss Up Lead Hers Incorporated. And I am have the pleasure to introduce, well, two more guests. I'm sorry, two more um, hosts, Tiffany and Tracy. Would you guys introduce yourself? I'm about to say, I am not a guest. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, hello. It's Dr. Tracy Hines Lashley, the founder and the CEO of Boss Up Lead Hers Incorporated. Hello, everybody. It's Tiffany Myers, and I am the CFO of Boss Up Lead Hers Incorporated. And welcome. So I am, we are so excited and blessed to have the lovely Miss Mashonda Ennis, a Panama City native, joining us tonight. Um, tell you a little bit about her. She was born and raised in Panama City, Florida, um, a domestic violence coach, as well as a mother of one son. His name is uh, Mr. Zadrick Ennis. She is a um, domestic violence survivor and the CEO and founder of We Help. This organization that helps individuals, women, men, and children through domestic violence abuse. Ms. Ennis found her passion after her own personal encounters with domestic violence and acknowledged a need to help those individuals in need of assistance and looking for a way out. Her organization was in services um, that she provides the community with education on domestic violence abuse, um, injunctions, relocation, and monetary assistance with the help of local churches and the members of the community. Ms. Ennis also has a weekly support group and meetups with domestic abuse survivors. So that's a little bit about Ms. Uh, Ms. Shonda Ennis. And we are, like I said, we are so blessed and we are just excited to have her on the show today. Um, I think so it's been about what, 20 years as I've seen you? <laughs> long time, Ms. Shonda. <laughs> yes, long time, long time. Yeah. So do you want, Ms. Mashana, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little more about you? My name is Mashanda Ennis. I'm 45 years old. I'm a single parent to a 26-year-old son, um, grandmother to one granddaughter who is six years old. Um, my spare time consists of me taking care of kids, babysitting, and putting all my leisure time into my organization, the kids that I keep, they get hands on with my organization too. They go out into the community, they get hands on, they help with um, passing out hygiene bags and stuff like that. So I'm pretty much busy all through the week. Oh, wow. So now they they, they can put on their little, they little college resumes and stuff, you know, um, 
put that on there. You know, we help, you know, help you guys with the organization. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how old are your the, the kids? Are they school age? Um, yeah, they're school age. I have one that's middle school. I have um, I have one that's 11. She's middle school. And I have the other three that are elementary. And then I have oh. one that's one years old. Community service already. Yes. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. That's something. Okay. So, yeah. Um. So would you want to tell us a little more or tell the listeners a little more about your organization? Um, it's calls and tell us about your team of experts. The name of my organization is We Help Women Helping Women and Men and Children Out of Domestic Violence by encouraging them, mentoring them, helping them reach a safe place. Also by guiding those to pick back up the self-esteem that they may have lost dealing with the situation. My team is made up of women and men who have been involved in domestic violence situations. <clears throat> oh, or they wow. or have been brought into it. Um, I recently I recently just helped a young lady um she was seven months pregnant. I helped her. She ended up going back to her attacker because she said it was for the baby. Oh wow! I know that's that yeah. was kind of hard. It was it was a hurting feeling because I feel like when they come to me, they're being honest about it and they want to get out of it. But I can't put judgment on them for the simple reason. I was one of them people. I was one of them also back in 2016. So I can't say, okay, you can't go back. Don't go back. This is how it's supposed to be because it's hard to get over it. So I just, I accepted it. My team accepted it and we're still here for her. We're still helping her. We're still helping her with the baby and stuff, helping her. You know, she sends us pictures of the baby and everything. So she says she's doing good. And I just take it as, okay, she's doing good. She hasn't said anything else. You know, we haven't had a one-on-one -on -one with her or anything. Every time we ask and we do like a girl's day with you, she's always, no, I'm too busy. So we just leave it. We don't push the issue. We just, I just pray for her because once I come in contact with a young lady, for whatever reason, I always, you know, I never lose contact with them. I keep in contact with them. I call them, I text them. FaceTime them, Facebook them. I do it all. I just have to keep in contact with them. Wow. So now that's like completely amazing. And I mean, to hear that story, it's just, it's heartwarming. It's heartlifting to know that, you know, there are people who are out there trying to help other people who are in a situation where sometimes it is, you know, they don't know which way to go, you know, um, and just be there for them because a lot of people need that. So my question would be, um, what ignited your thirst and drive to become a domestic violence advocate or the voice for the victim of, of abuse? So I do know you said that you were in that situation, but what really said, okay, I have to do this for someone else now that I'm out of it? Um, I almost lost my life in 2016 
So when I almost lost my life in 2016, I was tied up. I was beaten. Um, I was thrown from one side of the bedroom to another side of the bedroom. I was held at knife point. So after that, after I literally got out of it and I recovered from it, I went to counseling and everything. I literally just started reaching out to the state attorney's office here in Tallahassee. And they gave me, you know, I seen it. Um, I was asked to speak. It was during domestic violence month and I was asked to speak about my story and share my story. And I was like, you know, I didn't have a name. You know, the people wanted me to have a name. They wanted me to know, they wanted to know what it was about, what it stood for. And I was like 15 minutes before I had to speak. And I was like, okay, what do I tell these people? So I sat in my room and I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. And the kids were like, what are we going to call it? I was like, we're going to call it We Help. And they were like, well, what does it stand for? I said, women helping women helping other women and empowering women and men and kids out of domestic violence situations. They said, okay, we got it. So that, and since then, I stay in contact with the state attorney's office. I'm able to go into the state attorney's office and sit down and I share stories with them about other women. They give me, they let me sit in on court cases with them. You know, it's just something that I strive to do and I'm going to continue it and I'm continuing it. We go out into the community. Like I said, we go out into the community. Um, I serve the less fortunate. Um, I don't like to say homeless. I say less fortunate. I serve the less fortunate. Me and my team, we go out there. We do bag lunches. We do hygiene bags. During Thanksgiving, we did a Thanksgiving day dinner with them, with the less fortunate. We fed them a hot meal. We had bag lunches. The kids were involved in it. They got hands on. My team was there. I have a chef. I have my own personal chef. And, you know, he's the only man. So, you know, he has this passion for it, too, because he sees me going for it and doing it. So he's like the one that's really, really pushing me. I have an assistant. She's never gone through domestic violence. But when she heard my story, she heard me going live and talking about it. So she automatically just attached herself to me she was like i see us going places with this we can do this and now i have a strong team i have um it's myself i have um an assistant her name is lakeisha orange i have leticia roll she's my secretary i have one um christine mordica she calls herself the bodyguard because she protects me anytime i like I might like get in a mood where something is bothering me and I feel like, you know, I've come in contact with the victim and I, I take it on myself and I don't share it with them. And I like move away from the group, our group chat for a couple of days. So, you know, Christine, she calls herself my bodyguard. So she comes by and she'll check on me. Are you okay? Do you need anything? And I'm like, no, you know, I just, I just really got to concentrate. And, you know, I get attached to these victims and to see them go back, you know, my team tells me, you know, you can't stop them from going back because you have to remember at one time you went back and you kept going back. So I have Christine, she's my bodyguard. I have my God sister, she's the We Help helper. My assistant, her son is the We Help little man because 
he's always there to keep me laughing no matter what I've gone through throughout the week. Once we do these events, he's the one that's going to keep everybody laughing. Like I said, I have my chef, Daryl Gaskin, and, you know, he does the cooking and make sure everything is on point. So, you know, I have a strong team standing behind me. They keep me going, and I love my team. I can wake up in the morning, and they make sure I get that text message to let me know they're proud of me, keep pushing, don't give up, and we're going to make it. And, you know, I just, I love Wow. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. Okay. Okay. Have you ever experienced uncertainty, always worrying about things out of your control and found yourself in a sunken place with no outlet? Was there a time where your thoughts were going a mile a minute and would not shut off? You constantly hit dead ends looking for a remedy to reduce or eliminate stress. That is where preeminent life solutions comes in. They provide individualized healthy coping techniques and strategies to reduce and deal with the stressors and that overwhelming feeling of wariness and self-doubt. Coach K is results-driven, and her unique techniques gives you a clearer vision and the ability to pay attention to the current moment. You can contact Coach K at www.flow.page slash coachk. All right, welcome back. We have the lovely um, Lashonda Ennis with us today. And she's telling us a little bit about her domestic violence um, organization and her situation herself. Um, so yeah, um, so Mashonda or Miss Ennis, where I say. All right, so we back. So, um, Miss Miss Ennis, before we took a break, you were yep. saying about your team, your strong backing that support system, um, mm -hmm. and that's awesome to me because you know we can't we can't do anything without that strong support system, you know, and especially in this type of organization to where you will become weak, you know, um, and especially with the people that come to you with their their problems. Um, you you tend to want to help everybody and want to, you know, console them and protect them. And it's kind of hard for you to do. And they bring that remembrance back to you about the time that yourself was in that situation. And you had to be the one to say, OK, enough is enough. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I commend them for that. And I commend you guys for the organization that you're doing. Um, but during a domestic violence call, um, what would you tell people like if they get into a situation um, and they're looking for an outlet or they call, um, I guess, 911 or something. Um, you must be discreet. So how, would, so how, when they call somebody, how would they know what they're, the cops or anybody is supposed to ask them? Like, um, you must be discreet or, um, um, we don't ask, I don't ask them to be discreet. If they want to tell me their name, they tell me their name. Um, they just like, I asked them like, are you safe? Do you feel safe? Um, what is it that I can help you with? Can I get you into the, you know, tell me what's going on. And they tell me, and I tell them 
off top. I'm not going to discuss what's going on. I'm not going to discuss anything that you tell me. It doesn't go any further than me and you. And if I feel like it's a situation that I can't handle with them calling me, then I get one of my team members on the line and we do a three-way Indian. I ask them, are you really ready to get out of this situation? Are you, you sure you're ready? You have to be ready. Are you sure you're ready to leave? I don't want to call the police and they come and then you don't answer the door. And, you know, they'll say yes or no or let them think about it. But if they tell me, let them think about it, I ask them, are you safe for tonight? Like, if you go to sleep tonight, are you sure you're going to wake up in the morning? And I let them know, like, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just being concerned for you. And, you know, I had one girl, she, um, she told me, she was like, I feel safe. I said, okay. I said, as long as you feel safe, you know, I guess, you know, we can go ahead and we can say you're going to be safe. She was like, yeah, I'm safe. Around 1245 that night, she was beating on my door. And I was like, who is it? And she told me and I opened the door. I was like, yes. She was like, you just got off the phone with me. I was like, okay. You know, I started panicking, but then and I realized, you know, I couldn't panic. So I was like, um, what happened? And she she went to sharing, you know, how he had became more abusive to her. He wouldn't let her sleep. He was pulling her hair. Um, he was throwing things at her. And she had bruises all over her body. I told her, I said, well, by law, I do have to call the sheriff department or the police department and let them know. I said, do you have a problem with that? And she was like, no, I'm just really ready now. And I did call law enforcement. Law enforcement did come. They took pictures of her. Um, the shelter had no beds, but um, they did go ahead and take her in that night. And she stayed there and she called me. That next day she called me and she ended up coming back to my house and her attacker followed her to my house. So, you know, I had to deal with that and that was something I I had never done with. And her attacker was like, oh, you think you're bad now, huh? I was like, no, I'm not. He was like, are you scared of me? I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not scared. And he was like, well, where do you think you're going with my girlfriend? I was like, she's just coming over to sit with me. And he left. And when he left, I asked her, I said, are you sure you're ready to get out? She was like, yes. I said, we're going to go to the courthouse. We're going to file the paperwork. And you should know something by the end of the day. I said, are you ready to go back to the safe haven? She said, yes. She went back to the safe haven. She changed her phone number. Now she's doing good. She, she's working as um, a landlord. She has her own business. She's getting ready to get married. And every time she sees me now, she's always, oh, you saved my life. I said, no, babe, you saved your own life. I just helped. I said, but I'm glad that I was there to help you. She was like, I don't know what I would have done without you. And that makes me happy that, you know, I got these young I got these young people coming to me and even the older ones coming to me. And I had their kids coming in looking up to me. So it makes me feel real good to let me know that I am doing something right and I am doing something positive. Oh, that's a lot to take in. Oh Lord. You yeah, know, it is. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my one of my questions. Like, you know, when people like um, pop up at your house 
you know, unexpected and you in, in fear of their life, you know, now you may be in fear of your life, you know, um, how do you deal with that? How do you cope? It's my thing. I'd be like, you know, kind of, you know, sitting uneasy with that. Um, but you, you, you're, you're putting yourself out there, you know what I'm saying? And, and you help people and you don't have a, a, a second thought about it. It's like, they need me. I'm going to be there for them. So that's a good quality to have, you know? Um, so anybody else that, that is listening, that's have a, a family member or a friend that's dealing with that, um, domestic violence, um, what would you tell them how to deal with it? You know, um, if they come to them, like you say, they won't help, but then they turn around and don't want help. They don't receive it. They want to go back. So what would you tell that individual um, that has a friend come to them? What advice, what can they give them? Can they tell their friend? To just be there for them and be an ear to listen. Don't pressure them to try to get out of the relationship because if you pressure them, then they're going to stay there anyway. So I always tell people like, I'm not going to pressure you because you have your own mind. You're over the age of 18. So it's your decision that you're going to make. Either you're going to stay out of it or you're going to go back. And if you're going to go back, then I'm always going to be here for you. I'm never going to, I'm never going to shut down my phone. I'm never going to answer my phone for you. I'm never going to open, not open my door for you. I'm always here for you. I'm always here to listen. I'm not going to take judgment. I'm not going to be one to judge you because I was that person at one time. So for the ones that's under the age of 18, how would you deal with that one? Or how would you the ones that, that are under the age the ones that are under the age of 18? We actually during domestic violence month, my team, we actually got to speak to the young, the youth here in Tallahassee. And I shared my story with them. And you know, it was a lot of them that really didn't really know what it meant. They seen domestic violence as just getting beat. No, it's not. It's different forms. It's physically, it's mentally, it's sexually. I told them it's more than just that. So, you know, you don't have to stay in a relationship with someone. I said, once he puts his hands on you one time, that doesn't mean it's going to stop. I said, but if you don't feel safe talking to your mom, then yes, here's my number. You can call me. You're welcome to call me anytime. You're welcome to Facebook me any time of the night that you have a question to talk to me about or you want to talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. I won't tell your mom. I said, I'll just give you the correct answer. I'll tell you what to do and what not to do and how to get out of it. Wow. Whew. It's a lot. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. You know, because um, I'll be, because knowing me, I'm like, you know, um, get out, okay? It ain't no if, ands, or buts about it. You any, let's, let's go, okay? I ain't taking no for answer, you that's know. How, because that's, how my, that's how mm -hmm. my grandma and them was when, when they found out that I was going through domestic violence. Because in my family, domestic violence was never an issue. It was always swept under the rug. I seen one of my aunts go through it. But when I seen her go through it, it was like, oh, her boy, her baby daddy just got mad at her. He did it. He didn't mean to do it. Okay. So it was swept under the rug. No charges were pressed. 
So as I was going through it and my family was seeing pictures of my face, all bruised up, black and blue eyes, busted lip. Um, every other week I ended up in the hospital with a broken leg, um, a splint on my arm, a cast on my arm. You know, they were always like, what happened? I was like, oh, you know, I was, you know, the kids were playing and I tripped over their toys and I sprained my ankle. Oh, well, what happened to your face? And I would always tell my, oh, you know, I was coming out of the room too fast. And it, you know, I ran into the door. I fell on one of the kids' toys. I always had a backup plan to everything. So when it really happened to me, the day that it really happened to me, me and my mom, we stayed right next door to each other. So she heard it all going on. And the only thing I could hear was the police beating on the window and asking me, was I okay? And I was, and I couldn't respond. By the time I responded back and I got to the door and opened the door, the police was like, my face was all bloody. I didn't even feel the blood dripping from my face because my adrenaline was just so, I was just so hyped up about everything. I didn't even feel my scratches or anything, but the police went to ask, and how did you get those scratches? Oh, you know, I was coming out of the bedroom and I fell and hit the glass table. And she was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. She was like, well, your mom said you were, I said, my mama overdoing it. She just, you, you know, like, you can't believe everything my mama say. She was like, okay. So as the police got ready to close the door, he was literally standing behind the door and he was shaking his head. And the officer was like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, I'm good. She was like, no, you're not. And when she um, reached in and she pulled me out of the house, of my apartment, he came out behind me. He was like, oh no, I'm not going to jail. I refuse to go to jail. And that's when they tried to arrest him. And he took off and he ran. And I tell all my people that I'm chat with, I see 48 how they come out with the stretcher, the white uniform, the white booties and all of this. I literally lived it because these people came to my house, the stretcher with, they're all white on and I'm sitting outside and I'm like, where are y'all going with that stretcher? And they're like, we're going in here to get the young lady. I said, what young lady? And the man was like, uh, she just died. I said, no, nobody died. It's me. He was like, you must have some angels because they pronounced you dead. I said, no, I'm not dead. So, you know, I literally lived it. And I tell people, you got to be ready to literally get out of it. I had a friend that lost her life to it and that made me go even harder. Like when my friends, when my friend lost her life, she lost her life at work. Her boyfriend came to her job and stabbed her on her job and killed her because she wanted to leave him. She wanted out. She wanted out and he didn't want her to leave. So now she has a daughter. Her daughter's growing up without a mother and without a dad because he committed suicide, he killed himself. So I try to get these ladies to see that before you even get to this point, get out. Like when I walk into, now when I walk into the state attorney's office, they literally show me my pictures. And when I see the pictures of my face, how my face was, and I'm like, that was me? 
And they were like, yes. I was like, that was me in 2016. And they were like, yes, now look at you now. And I'm like, wow. They were like, you remember you used to come and have on all this makeup and we would still see the black eyes. I mean, like I have a folder. They have a folder where they had literally been coming out to my house. They had literally came out to my house so many times to where I had a paper trail. And my folder wow. was, my folder is so thick. And they were like, look at how many times we came out to save you. And you always said you were okay. And I was like, wow. You know, so I tell everybody, like, I'm blessed to be here. And I love what I do. And if it wasn't for my team and my son and my mom and my aunts pushing me, I would literally have lost my life back in 2016. I'm coming up January the 9th. I'm coming up on my five-year anniversary of being alive. I could have lost my life back then in 2016 and make it so bad. I remember the date, the time and the place. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to take in, but I want to take a commercial break to get ourselves back. And um, when we come back, we're going to go a little further okay. into. Dr. Tracy okay. Lashley is the voice of the oppressed and master of teaching the transformational steps from pain of trauma to the power of a survivor destined for the shape-shifting ability to step into thriving beyond trauma. She has survived welfare, single parenthood, divorce, military spouse life, being broke, living with bad credit, borderline homeless, not being able to feed her children, just simply struggling to survive for her and her children. If you can relate and wish Dr. Lashley to assist you, contact her today by sending an email to info at drtracielashley.com or by going to her website at drtracylashley.info. Ever thought of starting a business or improving its growth? Get the step-by-step -step business coaching you need to help you start building and stop delaying in just five days. Visit lpa.passiongetawaysllc.com or search Life Passion Academy via social media platforms. You'll find free resources to jumpstart your business or side hustle today. We are with the lovely Mashonda Ennis. Um, we before we took a break, we were um, speaking about um, how her mother found her or living next door to her when she had her domestic violence situation. Um, and I want to say, I cannot, I don't think I can fathom seeing one of mine go through that. I don't know. My head space wouldn't be, wouldn't be right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know if mine fall right now and, and hurt a knee, I'll be freaking out. You know what I'm saying? So for me to see that, I'll probably be like, I don't want to go to jail myself, you know? So the one that came behind the door, the, the abuser was saying he's not going to jail. I would have been the one saying I'm going to jail, you know. Um, so it is kind of hard for a parent to see that, you know what I'm saying? And your mother is, is, is strong, you know, for maintaining her composure. I, I, I want to I want to um, I, I wasn't going to mention it, but um, being a mother. <laughs> My daughter was literally dying in front of me and I didn't know it. 
she had been abused for so long and was hiding it. Had I not gotten her to the hospital when I did, they said she was she would have been dead. We probably had five minutes to get her there before she would have died. So having um, going through it and you and watching my grandchildren see it and think it's okay, that that that's hard. So I, I wasn't going to be on the show today because of the topic. Um, but um, people need to hear it. And thank you for being a voice. Thank you. You're welcome. My son saw me go through it. He knew I was, he literally knew I was going through it. And he was always, Mom, you know, you deserve better. You're so much better than this, Mom. Please, please, Mom, please. And I just never listened. I was like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Just leave me alone. Let me live my life. He was like, Mom, please, Mom, please. I'm begging you, please, Mom, please. And I was like, no, you know, I love him. And he was like, Mom, love shouldn't hurt. And that's one of my slogans that I always use when I come in contact with someone. Love doesn't hurt, love shouldn't hurt. Domestic violence, it's not it's not what it seems to be. Please, if he hits you one time, he's gonna do it again. Please get out. And um, you know, my son, my son literally saw me go through it. And the day that it actually happened, my son had to go turn himself in. So my son was my protector. He was literally my protector. Like, oh, he protected me every time he would do something to me. My son was always there to protect me. So I ran under my son and he shielded me. Well, when my son left, he was like, oh, your protector's gone now. It's nobody but me and you. So when my son found out about it, he was like, mom, I told you, I told you. I was like, yes, yes, yes. You told me, you told me, you told me. I apologize. He was like, mom, I could have lost you. I was like, I know, I know. But even my attacker, even when we went through trial and everything, they brought up, they brought up my past. Um, they brought up um, when I was 16 years old, the things I did when I, I was 16, how I was in juvenile detention center, how, you know, and I was like, this, this isn't about me. This isn't about me, you know, preparing for the trial, preparing for my trial. I was being followed by the public defender's office, undercovers, um, private investigators. They were following me. They were taking pictures of me. I couldn't take the kids to the park because it was always somebody there taking pictures of me and the kids. And, you know, it got so bad to where I was just like, I would shut myself in the house and I would tell the kids, you know, we're not going to go anywhere today. Miss Mashonda has, Miss Mashonda's not feeling too good. And they'll be like, why is it because somebody was taking pictures of us? And I'd be like, how do y'all know? They were like, because we seen them. You know, I even had, the, you know, even the kids were like getting scared. You know, they used my house. I had to move. And when I moved, they used my house as a crime scene. They came back, took pictures of it. Like they used all of that in court. They threw all it up in court. And I ended up losing trial. And I, I was mad when I lost trial because I thought I was prepared for it, but I wasn't. What made me lose trial was they brought the pictures. I seen the pictures of my face. 
in the 911 call. I had never heard the 911 call until the day of trial. And I heard my mom screaming and I heard her saying, please save my baby. That's my baby. That's all I have is my baby. Please save my baby. And when they went to asking me questions, I fumbled and I stuttered and I, I just couldn't remember anything. And they called for mistrial. So that's, when that's they did for mistrial, I wanted to go back to trial. The state attorney was, huh? That's kind of disheartening because you have all the proof right there. It's kind of disheartening because they have the proof right there in their face. And it's like, what do you need? What do you need? What more do you need? Like you're, you're making me feel like the system is set up for me to fail. You know, either that judge is one abusing his wife, you know, or something like you see it. And it's like, you don't care. So it's the kind judge, of hard for me. The judge actually, yeah, the judge, he actually, um, he was actually on my side. He literally was standing, he was literally standing there. I mean, sitting right beside me and he was crying. What the jury, they were crying because they seen the pictures. They heard the 911 call. It was just that um, the public defender's office, they had it out for me for some reason. The state attorney, you know, they were, they were upset. You know, everybody, they were mad and I was mad. So when I did get my day in court, when they did, um, he wasn't even, he hadn't even been out of prison a good two years before he caught these seven charges. So they only offered him, he was under the repeat offender program, which meant he was supposed to go back and do 15 years mandatory. But they told me that if I took it to trial again, that I would win. And I was ready. I knew I was ready for the second go out and they just wouldn't let me do it. They settled out for six years in the Department of Corrections, seven years probation, a year the leg monitor, anger management classes, no contact with me, um, a restraining order for the rest of my life. And that's it. I got my day in court with him before he got sentenced. I read him a letter that I wrote and I told him, I said, I have no hard feelings against you. I said, but what you did take from me, I said, you took me, you took my self-esteem from me, me not wanting to love again. I said, so now I'm learning to love again and I'm learning to love myself. I said, and I will never let anybody take that from me again. I said, but I just want you to get the help that you need while you're sitting behind bars. He showed no remorse. He didn't care. He looked away. He looked at the ceiling. It was just like, he didn't care. I went back, I sat down, I started crying. And as they were leaving out of the courtroom with him in handcuffs and shackles, he had the nerve to literally throw me a kiss. And the deputy was like, did you literally just throw her a kiss? And he was like, I always love her. And the judge said, can you come back? The judge brought him back and told him, he said, you're not supposed to have contact with her. He said, that hasn't started yet. He said, that hasn't started yet. He said, it starts the day I get released from prison. He's due to get out next year. People ask me, how do I feel about it? I'm mad. I wish I can go back and take it back to trial again because he hasn't done six years. He's only been in there since 2017. 
So he hasn't done six years. They don't look at it like he could have took my life. But when they dug deep into it, his dad killed his mom with domestic violence. His mom was a domestic violence person. His dad stabbed his mom 39 times. So he wanted 38 times. So he wanted, he told the judge, he wanted to know how it was to stab somebody 39 times and break the record. When he had me in my house that day, holding me hostage, he told me to give him three good reasons why he shouldn't kill me he said if you can give me three good reasons i'll let you leave i said just three he said three and i started crying and he said there's no need to cry and he had the knife to my throat i said i really can't think of anything right now because i'm nervous he was like well i can just kill you then i can just cut your neck off i said okay okay i got him i got him he was like give him to me right now i said one I have a mom that needs me. I said, two, I have a son that needs me. Three, I have a granddaughter that loves me to death. I said, you can't kill me. Please just don't kill me. He said, don't beg. He said, I don't want you to beg. I said, okay. He was like, give me something else. Give me another reason why. I said, I'll, I'll tell the police that we just had an argument. He was like, you promise? I said, I promise. And in the back, in my mind i was saying if i just make it to the store i know i'm okay and when i made it to the door i felt so safe but at the end of the day i was trying to protect him and that's what i tell my victims now if it comes to that point don't try to protect his family his family lashed out at me in the courtroom i went through bashing from them like i had to literally shut my facebook down i became a prisoner once again in my home because everywhere I went, I was known that girl took that young man's life. She put him behind bars. He did time behind her. But then I, I got to thinking like, that's how people see me. So I started telling people when they used to, when they would come to me and I still have people come to me. They say, how does it feel to take someone's life? I said, I didn't take the, I didn't take his life. They say, yes, you did. I said, no. I said, because he could have took mine. I could be dead. My son could be coming and putting flowers on my grave every year. I said, but I'm still living. And they look at me and they say, oh, okay, if you say so. But you took his life away from him. With that, with that being said, um, I want to go back. So your family saw it they saw you they can see it in your face they can see the bruises and you was you know trying to you know um mislead them saying the door hit you or you fell or something like that so when it was time to tell you was it a time for you um to tell your family about your situation or that it or was it a near-death experience when they really you told them <laughs> Cause you was, yeah. My near death experience. So you never really went to them and told yeah. them your story yeah, until. Mom, like I said, my aunt, my aunt came down here to Tallahassee and she, she saw me with the black eyes, busted lip and 
the brace on my arm and the brace on my leg. And she was like, you're so beautiful. And I was like, I know. She was like, why are you going through this? I said, I don't know. And she see you today. <laughs> yeah. So is she. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you're going They're through proud. this. Um, yeah. And you're going through this situation um, in the courthouse and you got his family members over there thinking he just the best thing since sliced bread. He's his upstanding citizen. Um, do you think it was difficult for the abuser's family to hear their his behavior? Um, and were they in denial or blaming you? When they played the 911 call, his sister automatically jumped up and she said, that's not my brother. Y'all rigged that phone call. That's not my brother. That's not my brother in the background. The judge was like, "You, you have, you can be quiet, or we can remove you from the. We can remove you from the courtroom." They showed the pictures on the screen. She said, "My brother didn't do that. My brother didn't do that. I know my brother didn't do that. She's a liar." At that point, they removed her. Um, but since then, you know, me and his sister, his sister called me. She called me. Um, she reached out to me. She reached out to me right before Thanksgiving. And um, when I seen her number pop up, she called me on, on Facebook. And when I seen it, I automatically started having an anxiety attack. I was like, why is she calling me? And I didn't answer. And she texted me. She said, I'm not texting you about anything bad. She was like, I just need to talk to you. Can you please answer? So she called and I answered. I said, yes. She said, Mashonda, she was like, I forgive you. She was like, it took me a while. She was like, my brother's getting ready to come home next year. She was like, but I want you to know that I do forgive you. She was like, even though you took my brother away from me, I forgive you. I said, how did I take your brother away from you? I said, when he almost killed me. She said, I don't see it as that. She was like, but you took my brother from me. She was like, and he's doing time behind you. She was like, and I would never want anybody to go through what you went through. I said, but you lost your mom. Your mom died because your dad stabbed your mom. I said, you you lost your mom. I said, so it would have been all right for your brother to take my life and my son be without a mom? She was like, no. She was like, but I just wanted you to know I forgive you. She was like, when my brother gets out, I just hope that he doesn't try to find you. I said, he won't. She was like, well, you know, Tallahassee's only so big. So that was an underlying, she was like underlying threat. <laughs> that was a watch out, yeah. watch your back. So, you that know, wasn't I, I contacted the state attorney's office and I told them about it. And they were like, Are you scared? I said, Yeah, I am. So they um they reached out to the Department of Corrections and you know, they served him with a paper and everything. He served his sister and his sister. She can't, none of his family can contact me. So, you know, I'm not letting them get the best of me because this is what I love doing. You know, I even told his sister, I said, why don't you come in and sit in with some of my groups? 
I said, and you can listen to some of what these women went through. She was like, no, I'd rather not. So, I, yeah, so I want you to tell the audience, somebody that's going through this right now, give them some advice. Um, just, just give them some advice. If they're going through it and they keep going back and they're struggling with themselves, they're struggling with their feelings. Um, yeah, what would you tell them? Love doesn't hurt. Love shouldn't hurt. Oh. Get out while you can, because if he's going to hit you, if he hits you one time, he's going to continue to do it over and over again until it gets worse. Mm. Wow. So it, I, I'm just a little, I don't know. I'm very emotionally mixed right now, and I've been quiet pretty much the whole time because I've seen it, witnessed it. It's never happened to me per se, but family members, um, and I am one, like Karen said, if they came to me with that, I'm like, get out now, or I would be the one to say, do you want me to go handle it? Um, it, it just, you know, society today, people are victims in whatever shape, form, or fashion. And it's not a his side or or her side only because you love them or you you believe they wouldn't do that if there is proof you are the proof there should not have been any doubt or you know i guess um you would say like you know a misconception of that you know and especially for someone in her case the sister that you're talking about if her mom has passed from that same type of abuse, I, I'm trying to comprehend how someone could be blind to abuse. How could someone be, you know, I, I love my son. I have an older brother who's doing life right now in prison. But at the same time, when they are wrong, they are wrong. I have daughters. If they are wrong, they are wrong. And me as a mother, I've always tried to raise my children to do right. You cannot control what they do when they're out and on their own. I get it. But at the same time, I'm not going to uphold them for anything that they do that's not moral. You know, um, and, and, and it just, you're, the whole business is really... It bugs me. <laughs> it's a hot topic. Sorry. <laughs> even with my son, even with my, my son, he did it to his girlfriend. And his girlfriend called me and she was like, Miss Mashonda, Miss Mashonda. I was like, calm down. What's, what, you know, what's going on? He was like, he hit me. I said, who hit you? She said, your son. I said, uh-uh, no. I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, not mine. She said, yes, he did. And he he, sna I, he snatched the phone. He said, mama, this does not pertain to you. She going to learn. I said, she going to what? He said, she going to learn. I said, okay, I'm on my way. By the time I got there, she had to call the police. So when the police saw who I was, he was like, is this your son? I said, yes. And he looked at him. He said, do you not know? We saved your mom's life. 
and you're doing this? He was like, you're making your mom look bad. And he was like, okay. He was like, mom, don't let them take me to jail. I said, um, close the door. You can go ahead and take them, take them on to jail. He said, mom, really? I said, yes, you're, you're going to jail. And I talked to the young lady. She was like, will you be mad at me if I press charges? I said, no. She said, but I don't want you to have any hard feelings against. I said, no, I'm not going to have any hard feelings because he put his hands on you. I said, he seen me go through it. He wanted me to get out of it. I said, and the police officer knows me. I said, so he's making me look bad now. I said, so whatever you decide to do, that's on you, baby. I said, I'm not going to have any hard feelings. They took my son to jail. He was he was booked into the county jail with domestic violence, assault and battery, um, domestic violence. Um, he was placed with a bond of $1,000. He called me. He said, Ma, you coming to get me? I said, no. He was like, Ma, call her. I said, no, I'm not calling her. He managed to call her, tell her he was sorry. She called me. She said, do you mind going? Uh-uh, I'm not going to the bondsman with you. No, no, we're not. She ended up catching her a cab and going to the bondsman. She bonded him out. And that's kind of what charges against him and everything. With that, it's kind of um, at the same time disheartening because, you know, as he's seen you go through it, he sees the pain, but he does, you don't show him the pain. You see what I'm saying? And so as they grow older, yeah. they do what they've seen i'm not hurting her that bad i mean you had all this on you and you was okay you know um so she'll be okay so it's kind of disheartening and sad to say that you know you're in a certain situation to where there's no outlet or you can't see that outlet at that time and you have your kids seeing that and now they think it's okay so when they leave the home they're like that anger from seeing their mother go through something that they couldn't help um they were like helpless you know at that time now they're in this relationship to where now that anger pulls over to that relationship you know so it's kind of sad um but at the same time you being a grown man at this state you should be like hey this is not right I watch TV. It's all over the place, you know, and, and just like, um, just like church, for instance, you know, you're saying your parents never taught you about church. You never know, you know, they never taught you about God, but at the same time, God will always bring you somebody to tell you his word. So now you know it, you see? So that's just like, you knew what not to do, but you did it anyway. And that cr I'm not your crutch anymore. I've got out that situation. You see me doing better with my life. So at the same time, you see me doing better. So now you need to do better. Um, so, you know, it's kind of sad with, with, with the son thing. But um, at the same time, he's a grown man and he knows right from wrong. So it's like a mindset shift. And it's up to you to practice that, that, that mindfulness or shift you know, um, your mind and grow. So um, hopefully, you know, he, he's, he's learned from it. 
you know, and I know you're kind of in your and it and it, it, it destroys you at the same time because you're his mother. You don't want to see your son, you know, behind bars. You know, that's the last place a mother wants to see their son, you know, but it's a lesson in that. So I commend you for doing that. Cause like I said, if you rob a bank, I'm telling, don't bring it in my house. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. I'm not going down. We ain't going down together. I got to, I got to eat good, okay? I got, I got to eat. So you go there and eat your beans and bread or whatever you want to do, mashed potatoes, light bread. I'm going to eat some chicken, okay? So you do what you do. That's the life you chose. That's the meal you chose. So you handle your business, okay? Right. Um. Right. So, yeah, so I want you to tell us, before we go, I want you to tell us about your organization. How can they locate you? Everything about it. If they're in the area, how can they find you? How can they get help? Just, just let everything out. Tell us everything about it. Um, we're on Facebook. We, we help page on Facebook. Um, we have um, Instagram is called domestic violence. It's domestic violence sucks because that's what my assistant came up with. Um, what else? We have the um, cash. We have a cash app where we're now we're doing stuff for the kids for Christmas. It's money sign. We help 2021. Um, we're here in Tallahassee. We're always in the community. We're always posting pictures, always putting flyers on Facebook about our next events. We actually have an event coming up on the 19th. We're feeding the community Christmas dinner. And then we're having our first annual We Help Christmas party. And with the Christmas party, we're exchanging gifts. I'm blessing my team with gifts um, because they've been a big blessing to me. So we're just, we're out here, we're getting it done. I'm always up in the middle of the night helping somebody. I'm just always, I'm always doing something. I'm always trying to keep my hands in something. Um, and Mashonda, I just want to say thank you for coming on because there's people out here that need to hear um, what you've had to share. And um, I am glad that there is someone speaking up for those who don't have a voice. Um, so congratulations to you. And I have prayers and uh, I pray nothing come of him being released and maybe they won't release him you know, if, if that's what it takes so that you can continue on your path. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I, um, I want to come in. I really wanted to, um, tell the audience, um, exactly how like to find you. Cause I know, um, the broadcasting and they will rewind it and they hear it back. But I wanted, I was trying to, um, you know, uh, make sure they had the exact um, Facebook or Instagram page. Cause it's a lot of people out there that have that, um, the we help. So on the Instagram, is it just the we help? Um, is it an underscore a period in there anywhere? Um, on Instagram, it will be in the description. Um, just, you can, no, it's okay. You can give it to us and we'll put it in the description. 
It'll be all on the podcast, but they'll okay. have it in Vimeo and YouTube. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, yeah. Okay. I commend you for being on here because um, that was a lot, you know, and you, you, you didn't have to share it with us. You didn't have to enlighten us on um, your story and try to tell others how to get out of their situation so they will be able to have a story, you know. So um, it, it, it was nice to hear to hear that and for you to give them that um, that push, and that drive and that you can get out if you want to. You know, it, it's a way out. The way out is not through a casket, you know. So I really thank you for being on the show today. Amen to that. Right. So with that being said, I am your girl, Coach K. This is Thrive Talk with TKT. And you guys have a blessed night. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Thrive Talk with TKT, where Dr. Tracy Lashley, Ms. Karen Hines, a.k.a. Coach K, and Mrs. Tiffany Myers speak on and to leaders, influencers, and motivators who share journeys in personal and professional growth, teamwork, business tips, life lessons, and the mindset for success to elevate their life. Follow the ladies on all social media platforms at at B-O-S-S-D-U-P-L-E-A-D-H-E-R-Z and visit www.bossdupleadhrz.org. Remember to always walk in your purpose and eliminate self-doubt.